This is a HeadGum Podcast. Universal FanCon is a brand new convention coming to the Baltimore Convention Center in April of 2018. FanCon will be a round-the-clock event featuring comics, cosplay, gaming, celebrity guests, music, and more with a focus on diversity and inclusion. Get your tickets now at UniversalFanCon.com because geek is universal. Welcome to our new podcast, Misty Nights Uninformed Afro. The new podcast series will dive into the origin stories, character development, and story arcs of our favorite black superheroines and characters in comics. These are the obscure stories you don't always hear about, and we share commentary on some of our favorite moments in comics. We're going into deep discussions about Storm, Misty Knight, Monica Rambeau, Vixen, Amanda Waller, Riri Williams, Lunella Lafayette, and the Dora Milaje. The series has two hosts, founder and managing editor of BlackGirlNerds.com and host of the BGM podcast, yours truly, Jamie Broadnax, and Stephanie Williams, host of The Lemonade Show. Each episode will reference comic book issues, dates, and creators. That way, you can go back and check out the stories for yourself. By the end of the series, you will become a certified expert in the fictional world of black superheroines. Please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. See you soon. Hi everybody, this is Kari Payton and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Keep listening. It's good. It's real, 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 real good. This is Riley Ritchie, a.k.a. Jacob Anderson, a.k.a. Grey Worm from Game of Thrones, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hey all, I'm Utide Badaki. I play Bill Quist on American Gods, and you are all now listening to Black Girl Nerds Podcast. This is Joe Duke, and you're listening to the Black Girls Nerd Podcast. Hi, I'm Greg Allen Williams, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerd Podcast. This is Mark Bernard, and we're now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hey, this is Phil Lamar. And this is John Stewart. And this is Hermes Conrad. And you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie, and I am your host. This episode is titled, The Bold Type, Midnight Texas, and Dat Flash. Three fantastic segments. 
In our first segment, Jacqueline takes us to Austin over at the ATX TV Festival and interviews the cast of The Bold Type as well as the cast of Midnight Texas. The following actors featured in those first two segments for The Bold Type is actors Aisha D and Katie Stevens. And for Midnight Texas, actors Peter Mensa, Parisa Fitzhenley, Ariel Kebble, and writer-showrunner Monica Asua-Brain. In our third segment, we head on over to Tidewater Comic Con in Virginia Beach. And that segment features two actors from the CW hit series, The Flash, featuring actors Violet Bean and John Wesley Shipp in two panel discussions. So that's our show. Lots of interviews featured at different festivals. And thanks so much for tuning in to episode 120 of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. The Bold Type, Midnight Texas, and That Flash. Enjoy. Freeform's brand new show, The Bold Type, gives us a glimpse into the outrageous lives of people working at the women's magazine, Scarlet. The two-hour new series premiere starts July 11th. Take a listen to actors Aisha D. and Katie Stevens. ATX Television Festival, um, sitting down here today with the cast of The Bold Type, the upcoming new show from Freeform. Um, I'm here with Aisha D., correct? Yeah. And Katie, oh my gosh. Stevens. Stevens, thank you. Thank you yes. before I like mess up my world. Um, <laughs> so ladies, how are you enjoying Texas? I love Great. Austin. <laughs> I've spent a lot of time in Austin. I love this city. I took... Uh, Katie and one of our producers, Holly, to my favorite sushi restaurant last night, Uchi. Oh my god, yes, girl. Oh, Uchi, if you're hearing this, give me free sushi <laughs> and yes, they open a restaurant me. in LA, please. And or wherever I am. And I've never been to Austin, I've been to Texas. I've been to, you know, San Antonio, Dallas, Fredericksburg, which is an hour and a half away, um, Houston. But I've never been to Austin. But I live in Nashville, Tennessee, so it gives me Nashville vibes here yeah. in Austin. Food truck is, is deep in Nashville. Oh, Oh, yeah. as well, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I feel that, so I have a, I live here as well, and okay. I did see that, I knew that you'd been here, because she said Tapu Chico and, like, torchies, and so I knew, yes. <laughs> I knew that we would have it, and then, yay, we have Hi. our third, yay, Laura, your name's Jacqueline, like my yeah. character, I was just about I to say, it. it's great, I know we don't have a lot of time to talk about this great show, because you guys are rushing off to your panel, but... Tell me how awesome it is to premiere this where you kind of get to have TV fans. Because yeah. these are all crazy TV Yeah, <laughs> Like, let's be honest. Let's not call them crazy. Okay? I will. Like, I'm a crazy TV fan, call, too. We can call I'll them rabid, yes, Okay, rabid. yeah, no, that's cool. That's respectful. I, honestly, I think it's amazing. And I, I don't know about these guys, but I feel super honored to be here, especially given the fact that we haven't even aired yet. Yeah. And people <laughs> seem so excited about the show. Um, it just makes me even more excited for people to actually see it, yes. um, yeah. which is about to happen. I don't know, T-minus however many yeah, minutes. Yeah, right. it's so fun to premiere it at a place where you know people are, are like, kind of, ooh, chomping at the bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also, like, I think, I mean, I, I, for me, I went into this industry because I'm a TV lover and I, I'm a film lover and I love the way that television films and characters make me feel and to be able to be somewhere where 
there are TV lovers like that, and they're going to watch and get feelings from our performance. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. So, um, just to kind of give the quick hit, this show is about... Loosely based on Joanna Coles, who yeah. was the editor-in-chief of Cosmo, yes. and she's one of our exec producers. Yeah, so... Um, you said, what does it feel like to... Oh, yeah, to be part of this iconic okay. part of um, women. Like, yes. basically, like, every woman has picked up a Cosmo. Oh, so, yeah. You, know, you so... put it inside of a book to make you look more intellectual, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I mean, at least... I, I, I wouldn't do that anymore, but there was definitely a time in my life where I was embarrassed to be reading a book where on the front cover it says like 10 best, best ways yeah. to orgasm. It's like, oh my god, I don't want people on this airplane to know yeah. uh-huh. what I'm really Kim, reading. This character comes into my office in, in a scene we just did yesterday and says, uh, I'm thinking about writing something about the boobgasm and the butt facial. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a direct like a headline from a customer. But you know what? Like, I have to do research and like see, like, are yeah. there articles actually written yeah. about these things? And there are. Yeah. yeah. yeah so there but are. that's oh, yeah. empowering too because there wasn't time when women couldn't even talk about achieving an orgasm and that's so then right. to have it on a cover you know that's yeah. very empowering so I do yes. feel like you're right and Cosmos- I'll tell you we have actual <laughs> orgasms on this show <laughs> So, oh yeah, we're not so shy tune on this in for show. that. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it is amazing. I love that we're part of this show that's very uh, fearless in having these conversations and attacking these topics. That even in in my lifetime, I know I hear it all the time. You're so young, then I'm 23. But even in my lifetime, I've seen this evolution. The women are in my life, and the women in the media, and the and and myself. Um, we're, we're getting more open. We're, we're able to actually talk about the fact that we're PMSing or the fact that we're not having sex right now. Or we are. And like, I, I kind of like being able to have these open conversations with my girlfriends and also to see it in, in the shows and the movies that I watch because that's, that's real life. And we yeah. want to see ourselves reflected and we want to see diversity in that, like sexuality, uh, um, ethnicity, the whole spectrum of, of everything is really represented in this cool way on the show and I'm, yeah. I'm really proud to be a part of that yeah it doesn't hurt to be on the heels of uh, Wonder Woman I that's saw you right. just that's tweeting right. off about that yeah. yeah you do like I think the greatest tweet I saw on it was like I see why guys walk around so confident all the time it's like one superhero <laughs> movie and I'm ready to beat down yeah. anybody yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it's true uh-huh. so that was that was a momentous moment and I think that it's exciting that we've been talking a lot about this today but just having this all this wonderful feminine uh, show couched in in fashion, beauty, makeup, like gorgeous girls playing out these you know these 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 experiences with a female m- mentor who's really strong but also kind. Um, I think that's really that's one of the most distinct things about the show. Uh, I think it's very exciting. Well, all of you also get to work with female showrunners, mm-hmm. and as you said, Joanna. We have a the, female DP. Yeah, we've had quite a few female directors. In fact, we have surpassed the thirty percent. By the way, if you have thirty percent female uh, employees, you, you're doing good. Wow. Um, we're gonna, yeah. Like, why don't we like raise that up to like a full on fifty? I don't know. Just yeah. just saying, a full yeah. on fifty percent yeah. would be great. But we have surpassed on our show the thirty percent female director uh, quotient that ma- yeah. makes us a more success. Than, yeah, so. I think like like half, I at least half or more than yeah. It's been about It's been about 40. Women. It's about 40%. Yeah. So Excellent. it's really, yeah. really good. It's yeah. really, really Excellent. good. Well, they're wrapping me up, but I wanted to ask if you ladies could give anyone just a quick, if you guys could go around and make a quick tagline for the show for folks, what, what's going to make them tune in? So. Uh, God, that's Fears. more a Sarah question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say like 
fierce, fabulous, empowered, bold, unafraid to make mistakes women who are strong and lift each other up. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. And for my character, if you, uh, yeah, if you're, if you're a boss or you want a boss, tune in to watch what a boss is supposed to look like. A badass woman boss who's also kind, has integrity, and is a mentor. Excellent. And, uh, I mean, I feel like they said it all, but I will also go ahead and say you'll probably laugh your ass off. Oh, it. It's, I mean, I think it's really it's funny, as well yeah. as being empowering and as well as being, you know, uh, politically, I guess, uh, unafraid and yeah. all of that jazz. You'll just have a good time. And you know. will also fantasize and live vicariously through the fabulous wardrobe on this show. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. That all of us get to wear. So. Excellent. <laughs> Let's be honest. Cosplay is just better costumes. Yeah. Thank you, ladies, right. so Thank much. You Enjoy so your much. panel and Thank have a great you. day. Appreciate it. Thanks. Midnight is a safe haven for those who are different, but with the presence of outsiders, the residents band together and form a strong and unlikely family. Midnight Texas is an upcoming drama TV series to be broadcast on NBC. The series is set to premiere on July 24th of this year. It's based on a book series of the same name by author Charlyon Harris, who also wrote The Southern Vampire Mysteries, which you probably know best as the HBO hit series True Blood. The following segment features actors Parisa Fitzhenley, Peter Mensa, Ariel Kebbell, and TV showrunner Monica Osuo Breen. I'm going to. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Yes. Snuggle up, you guys. Snuggle up. This is it. So, I'm Jacqueline with Black Girl Nerds. I'm Melissa from the Television. I'm Carolyn from Telltale TV. Hi. Hello. Creative names. (laughs) Wow. So, we'll introduce ourselves. So, I'm I'm Peter Mensa, and I play Lemuel Bridger on Midnight Texas. I'm Monica Wusubrin, and I'm writer and showrunner of Midnight Texas. I'm Parisa Fitzhenley. I find no, I'm just like, I'm not. <laughs> not according to your. I'm, I'm not according to your. Right? <laughs> no, but I do love her. Yeah. Um, I, we, I'm like, I didn't see you. You can't be her just because you love her. You weren't in Luke Cage. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate that show. So. <laughs> um, I'm Ariel Kebble, and I play Livia Charity. Um, so, first of all, I will say Midnight Texas, and now you guys are back in Austin, Texas for the ATX Film Festival to kind of bring it to the masses. Mm-hmm. Um, did you feel that synergy? Because did y'all film Texas or Albuquerque? Where y'all filming Albuquerque. Albuquerque? So now that you're in Texas, do you feel the difference? I don't know if we can answer that. <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> it is hot. And Albuquerque was cold. We were, we was freezing. Albuquerque. I, I can feel the difference. But maybe that's not what you're really asking. No. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, maybe, have you seen anything quintessentially Texas that you've been here? Queso? Queso's quintessentially Texas. I just got in this morning, so. Oh. It's my first so. time, so sorry. I, I'm, a, I'm a rookie. Okay. I don't know what I was supposed to be looking for. I hear I barbecue. Barbecue, yes. Barbecue, Amy's Texas. ice cream, and Elizabeth's. You're schooled. You know all I know. the... All I, know. I like this here. It's festival. Yeah. That's why she's yeah. in the area. I was just I playing it cool, guys. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, Elizabeth's is amazing. Awesome. It's noodles and eggs. Oh, okay. I mean, it's the best. 
I thought you were talking about ice cream. I'm so confused. Oh, yeah, that's Amy's. Okay, all Yeah, right. Amy's is ice cream. Elizabeth's is noodles. This is like a normal day's work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so noodle ice cream Basically, it's up. first Elizabeth's, then, <laughs> then Amy's. I, okay, I got it. Yeah. And so Tomorrow. the in Albuquerque wasn't as... Cool as in Texas. What do you guys no. have against Albuquerque? <laughs> no, I'm curious. I've never been to Albuquerque. I've, I've never I been I feel like you're trying to get some no, scandalous things. There are certain cities you hear about their food scenes. Albuquerque's not one of them. <laughs> of course it is. There's Christmas, red and green chili. Yeah. That's okay. what they're known for. Oh, yeah. red and green chili. It's a big deal. It's like yes. your queso. That okay. one hasn't traveled to Canada, though, so. Yeah. I don't think it's traveled. I'll play the Canadian yeah. card. <laughs> In general, yeah. <laughs> So how much of, of this, I mean, the books are some of my favorites, um, and it's just such a rich, such a rich universe that Charlene Harris created. Ha, did any of you know anything about the books before starting to work on this project? Well, I, well, my <laughs> agent sent me a book and said, look at this, does this intrigue you? And I read two chapters, I'm like, it does intrigue me a lot. <laughs> um... Yeah, I mean, you know, I knew True Blood, mm-hmm. um, so I was a little scared when I first, it's, it's big shoes to fill, you know, um, but Midnight was so special and so singular and such a very different place that it felt like it was in a similar universe, but so different and such different stories to tell, so for me, that was like the best of all worlds, because Charlene writes my favorite genres, romance and supernatural and westerns. And so, I love um, that you love westerns so much. We never talked about this. Oh, I did my orals paper on westerns. And, yeah. and Grandpa's going to love you. <laughs> yes. Text westerns and melodrama. Is that what brought you back to it after doing True Blood? Or did you specifically say, okay, I saw him on True Blood, and so now I'm going to bring him to this side? This, or? this is going to be interesting. Glenn <laughs> <laughs> was such a very unique character, and in the book he was described in a certain way. way yeah, that's very different. Albino, um, yeah, is Albino. the term. <laughs> I mean, you you raced that one for real. Yeah, Let's talk no, about well, what's really funny is I wanted to keep the spirit of Lem, who is wise and compassionate and smart and doesn't sweat anything because he's been around for hundreds of years, and he's kind of kind of got a dark sense of humor. I really liked, and um, so for me it was. There were a couple of things that were important with Lem. Someone who, when you walk into home cooking and Manfred sees him, that it's not like Manfred's like, oh, you know, and that could take a million different shapes. Um, and, you know, so for me, honestly, we had really open casting. We really did. I wanted to find the spirit because sometimes I think if you get limited by the physical appearance, you actually don't get the actor that brings the role to life as much. So for me, it was important to get their heart. You have a heart. Oh, thanks. I'm dead. <laughs> it doesn't beat. I never. <laughs> it's just sitting there. I'm like dead, but yeah, it's there. <laughs> so I feel like obviously there's going to be a lot of comparison to True Blood. So how would you sort of distill that and say how the show is distinct from True Blood? Like, how well, I don't it? die. <laughs> I died in True Blood. <laughs> yeah. You died in True Blood. Yeah. That's a big difference. Died, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think without question, I mean, not, not to answer everybody, but I do think that um, this is a very different community. Um, you know, and, and it's the levels of relationship are uh, multi-layered and not necessarily, it, the stories aren't just about their relationships. It's essentially about 
what happens to the community and how their relationships are tested by external stuff as much as their interrelationships. So um, I think you see a much more, I would say, multi-layered sort of um, character development um, because the stories are far more demanding, you know, uh, uh, than the sort of the basic attractions and you know, you know power struggles. Um, I was just going to ask too. So, y'all's dynamic in the books, and I'm hoping as well. Y'all's that is one thing I miss <laughs> about New Mexico. Okay, that's the answer. They need a lot more y'all in New Mexico. Yes. No, I love y'all. <laughs> I'm like, even though I spend part of my time in LA, there's the Texas girl I in still me say that nah, it'll never get out. Um, <laughs> Hold on. How, how are you? I'm trying to be this. How are you guys approaching your relationship and on camera as you as you bring it to life on screen? Because it's as you what said, were you like? But I want to know what you were trying not to say. Well, I mean, it's intimate. You know what I'm saying in a lot of different ways. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's a I'm trying not to spoil book stuff. Oh, oh I okay. see. Okay. Okay. Like, okay. I'm trying okay. not to spoil book stuff. Okay. Um, so, how is that going to be on screen? Because this is network television as opposed right. to HBO. Mm-hmm. Right. And how deep are we going to get, basically? You know? Yeah. Well, we, we go to as far into the line as we can. Trying to push it a little bit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always. <laughs> um, so, in the pilot, we did as much as we could, and then Nell's tastefully let focus the entire <laughs> I know, I'm like, did you see the pilot? I was in the expo. Yeah, so that's the level of, you know, I mean, what I loved about Charlene's characters is even though they're supernatural, they're really human. They love making love, and they love hanging out at a restaurant, talking to their friends, and they drink, and they take pills when they get headaches, and they're human in as much as supernatural beings can be human. And so for me, it was important that, you know, these characters have sex, and... But the show's not about that because I do right. feel like True Blood was about sex Wait, and desire. Wait, the show isn't about sex. <laughs> sex is part of the human condition, the fabric, the fabric of what makes us people. The fabric of our lives. Of our lives. <laughs> I wish I were wearing cotton. <laughs> I need breathable fabrics. You recognize me? I you did. I listened to you. I you guys, look into my life. <laughs> Is it like this on set? Because the set is, is pretty, like I would say, diverse women, men, all different. So oh, yeah. is it real get real comfortable family real quick? Oh, there's no question that we're we're family. <laughs> <laughs> we're yeah, definitely no. family. Dumped them all in New Mexico. And That'll do it. Together, <laughs> hang out together. Talk about a quick bonding exercise. <laughs> but I will say this, you know, the, the, the thing that's really fun about this, good question about relationship, not just ours, but every couple... Um, and creature, um, in the end, it's just a relationship. It's you know, there's no focus on the sex. There's no focus on the, the differences. It's just sort of this is a relationship, mm-hmm. and then you get on with it, yeah. right? And that's the genius of this. I think it sort of it, it, it becomes real because the description of the relationship doesn't define the relationship. Right? Did you guys see Friends? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, we're really different than Friends. Just so not friends. <laughs> <laughs> Both NBC shows, fantastic. <laughs> Last yes, love it. Yes, no, but, He's Joey. Yeah. <laughs> oh come on! <laughs> you love to eat. You're totally <laughs> Joey. Um, no, but what I was, what, you were, 
No, when you were talking about the couples, I had this flash, and I was like, because one thing I loved is even there was like different um, script episodes that we would get coming in, and sometimes, obviously, it's my job to understand my character and create the relationship with uh, Lim and Olivia. But there'd be times where, like, I would totally understand what Sarah and Francois' characters were going through, or Parisa and Dylan's characters were going through, or I was so proud to see Joe and Chewie's relationship. And and so the reason I brought up Friends is it's like, I love Friends because every episode, the couple I thought was my favorite, it switched. But it only, it didn't just switch every episode, it switched like every five minutes. I was like, oh my god, I'm totally them. No, I'm them. No, I know how that feels. And I love that about our show, is I feel like, super not natural or not, this is about love stories, this is about feeling, this is about family and connection, and I feel like everybody will be able to relate what these, to what these people are going through, and that's really important I, I, especially right now with what we're going through in our world Brilliant. feelings are everything <laughs> compassion well that, love, that kind of brings love, into like a, a, someone who's friends who, <laughs> like Joey <laughs> one of the things that I loved the most about these books was how it was these this group of such diverse characters come together and they care about each other and they coexist mm -hmm. peacefully and then there's the uh, and I'm not That's sure right. if this translates then there's an outside force that doesn't like what they stand for that tries to mm -hmm. beat that up is, against absolutely. them that so, is definitely part of the show and the fabric of the show and honestly what made because I do find with supernatural shows if you don't have some sort of metaphor guiding you it can just sort of devolve into itself and so for me like the idea of a group of really different people who all come to this community with their own pains or you know and reasons why they've they've chosen this remote place in Texas the idea that they're so different and they don't always agree with each other but there's something to be said for having a vested interest in protecting your community mm -hmm. and not judging other people and Fiji and Olivia are extraordinarily different and they don't live by the same code, but Fiji loves Olivia as a friend, and has, and Olivia loves Fiji as a friend. That, that, like, the idea that you can be so different without being judgmental, mm -hmm. there was a kindness in those books that I just really appreciated, yeah. Yeah. and it felt aspirational and joyful, and it wasn't just sad. And I also love so, that... <laughs> Well, first you have the differences in the characters within the town, but then, like you said, you have the outside force. So then all of a sudden these characters have to put aside their differences because there's a greater purpose. And to learn to work together and actually appreciate each other's differences and call upon each other's differences when push comes to shove to beat this outside force that's trying to beat them down is incredibly important and I loved that message it was like time and time again whether we understood each other or not we became the light facing the dark and um, that makes me that makes me proud to be a part of this show um, I know there's a lot of supernatural dramas mm -hmm. on TV like have been or now right. sort of um, so what do you I guess, what were your strongest inspirations in crafting the show from the supernatural genre all, all over? Oh, my gosh. Because I'm getting, like, a lot of Buffy vibes in particular. There, well, Buffy, you know, it's part of the reason I'm a TV writer, so yeah. I won't lie. Um, and, and Solomon was 
Yeah, and so our, our producing director was uh, David Solomon, who also did all these seasons of Buffy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, definitely, like, yeah. because it was a group of people mm-hmm. running courses. Um, trying to think what else. And the metaphorical aspect, obviously. Exactly. Like everything sort of relates to the human condition. I think I learned a lot on Fringe about how to tell stories mm-hmm. like this, because every episode, there was a, um, there was the theory the showrunners would call it the myth alone. Every episode has a beginning, middle, and end, but we're pieces of a giant myth. Mm-hmm. So a way to sort of let every episode have its own character, its own distinct story, its own vibe, but then make it part of an entire season. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, just as a structure for the season. I'm trying to think what else. Um, there's part of me that believes it's a, it's a family drama. There's part of me that believes it's a human drama. And so I take inspiration from, like, you know, 30-something. You know, how to oh, tell a story. Couples who are, like, struggling to work it out. Um, they were just talking about that in the This Is Us panel. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, I'm ready for the 30-something reunion. Like, oh. let's make that happen. Seriously, like, Timothy Seriously. Was, we almost have that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So maybe next year. Wait. <laughs> okay, sorry. I mean, I'm obviously I'm glad I'm still gonna be around the zip code. So I will say too that you mentioned that I feel a genre storytelling, whether it be either on screen, like the big screen, or on small television, has this kind of great moment right now. Like she's talking about, there's so many great shows out yes. there, and there's more coming. What would you say is one of the awesome parts about genre television that you get to have freedom and maybe it allows you to do things and then what's also sort of the pitfalls of it because it's kind of a double-edged sword uh-huh. right the hours <laughs> <laughs> that's the downfall <laughs> or costumes no or that's makeup. the downfall no i love the costumes the hours, <laughs> the hours. <laughs> that's true i don't know about anyone else yet i know um, it's really long hours to tell such a complex show where you have vampires and regular humans all in one show it makes for some really long days so for me that's the downfall uh, I mean you know, I'm sure that everybody speaks to sort of different things in, in, in the genre but I think you're right the, I've always enjoyed um, uh, these type of shows because it allows for a conversation about very different aspects of society without actually stating that this is what we're talking about so yep. um, you know you, you look at what we've got in this we've got all kinds of couples that would have been the story for any kind of modern day and you know if we can bypass that and get onto the real subject of actually two people having a relationship so that's an advantage you know right there in this kind of show um you know and pitfalls are natural i mean you know sometimes the monsters can be a little tricky here oh yeah <laughs> <You> <laughs> in know? the context uh-huh. it for you? oh well, there are issues with sort of you know there and there are issues with playing supernatural um because it's a fine line to go, you want to be relatable, but you need to actually also definitely be something um, unnatural. You know, you, you sort of, and mm-hmm. then transform all of that and create a community that has all these diverse aspects, which, you know, it's great theoretically to have, Correct. but to make it come to life, that's also, you know, it can, can work really well or it can fall flat. And then you need a really brilliant creator <laughs> to kind of piece it together because I just got to act. <laughs> well, and then you need actors that can make it look real. <laughs> okay. Because honestly, like, I mean, you know, it's like, like you're saying, it's hard 
to be human and suck blood from people. Like, be but relatable. also, it's hard like, to be human, period. Yes. Yeah. That's what I love about our show, is it's no, like supernatural or hard. human. Sometimes it's really beautiful, and sometimes it's really hard. It's hard to feel feelings. And we get to go on these Completely. characters' journeys and see the heartaches that they go through and see the joys that they go through and realize that, like, yeah, supernatural or not, it's really hard. It's really hard to feel feelings when you're dead, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like genre lets you Trojan horse a lot of interesting issues into things that on, on its face, you might have a harder time convincing a network to tell. Like, Olivia's story... Had it not had the tropes around it, would almost be unbearably painful to tell. Mm. Um, I think the genre lets you get away with because you're looking at all this other stuff that you can almost tell a darker story because you resolve it in an interesting way and it doesn't become unbearably dark because you've also got joys and fun and fantasy in there but and solutions that you wouldn't exactly yeah. if, right, leeching. But yeah, yeah. But also, what I love about it is, and as the season goes on, you guys will learn about Olivia's backstory, or if you've read the books, you know. Um, even though it's something that she never escapes, it's you don't see. It's what makes her who she is, but you don't see her drag that drama into every moment. And to me, what's so powerful and important to share about that is that is the everyday hero that makes up America. Because unfortunately, that has happened to children. And unfortunately, it's still happening. And they move on because they have to, not because they want to. Right. And that's her story. And I really hope we get to share more of that because it is incredibly important to me. Yeah. Okay, guys, I think that's it. On that light note. Oh. You want to ask one more, maybe one more question? I was just going to say, you guys are going to probably be in the unique one of the, if I have to say, upside about the changing timeline on your premiere date is you uh -huh. guys get to hit Comic-Con twice. Right. And you hit to get yes. it right before you premiere. Yes, the day so before. Now, yes. like, <laughs> so now going back the second time, what do you feel like you're going to be an old pro at the Comic-Con game? Or are you even more intimidated by it? Or does that well, we haven't go gone to San Diego. No, we went oh, to yeah, New, New York. York. That's right. New that was right. New York. Yeah. So we're I'm like, I know. LA, here we come. Yeah. Yeah. So, and WonderCon. Still Comic-Con. WonderCon, too. But we're still a Comic-Con. Silicon like that now going back to the mother one right before your premiere date intimidating or amazing yeah I think it's the coolest thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to make it kick off the show it's like I a dream yeah. it, feels, it feels I went right. years ago for the grudge too okay oh. yeah wow but it's been we've a long time we've done it I mean I've, you've done it I've, I've done yeah. it many times so yeah mm. Yeah, but it's this will be our first time. This will be our show, like, premiering, like... Yeah, no, it's pretty... It's and I'm hearing, I'm hearing NBC's doing some cool stuff. Crazy stuff! They yeah. usually have fun photo booths. Yeah, no, they're kind of good. I think NBC's putting a lot of stuff on it. Yeah, no, we might have. to see your face. We're just going to have Mr. Snuggly there to sign out. And he talks. Excellent. Your face is life-size, like, larger than life-size on the side of a building. That was crazy at WonderCon. WonderCon was insane. <laughs> My parents called me. They were like, "We've been waiting for this." And I was like, "I was like, really? Nice to know." I was like, "How about have I been waiting for this?" Like, They're like, "We're so happy." I was like, I, "I was like, I didn't even know you saw it." They're like, "It's all over Instagram." <laughs> Thank you guys. So much. Thank you. Thank you.
Bye. Bye. <laughs>
was that good? Like, did that work? Like we don't, we're just like, we hope it, it looks good. And then when they, when they bring in the lightning bolts and they bring in, you know, a hundred gorillas, like <laughs> it ends up working out, yeah. Okay, this is gonna be the last question and this one's more of a hypothetical, but if you had Jesse Quick's powers, how, what fun ways would you use them in real life? Ooh, um, fun ways, but I feel like I would be devious and like, I don't know, like steal people's phones and like find out about their lives. You know what I mean? Like I feel like I would be very nosy um, because you can be. Um, I don't know, maybe like try to figure out how to fly with them, at least for a short amount of time, you know, run yeah. off a really tall building and fly. Like that sounds fun. Well, let's open it up to the audience. Um, Let's start uh, lining some people up over here by uh, Associate Puyo over here, and we can, or he can run to you. <laughs> so my question for you is, uh, what was it like when you and the actor that plays Wally West, when he was trying to get his powers in the first episode after you'd gotten yours, and then he stepped out in front of a vehicle? How, how did they prep you for that scene? That was a really fun day, actually, because um, Kreisberg was on set, and so he was giving a little more direction, um, which was fun. And I think he just really wanted to portray how unsafe that was of him. You know what I mean? And, and, and for Wally, it was, he's impulsive. You know, he just does things because he's, he has a big heart and a big head, and he wants to get what he wants. Um, and I think for, for Jesse, it was like, you know, I love this guy, I'm not going to let him die. And then, and then she gets really mad at him for doing that. And I think that's because she's got this new power and she knows how important it is to keep it and other people safe. Um, so that was, yeah, that was a really interesting day to shoot. Next question. <laughs> you get your workout in. Is there an evil Jesse? You're, you're also welcome to line up. <laughs> That was really fun. Um, I had two fittings before we started shooting with it, and none of them were with leather. Both of them were like a cloth version of it. So I hadn't seen any of it or, or tried it on at all, and then I tried it on the day that I started shooting, and the crew and the cast and everyone were like, yeah, like everyone was so excited. Um, so that was really fun, and then seeing it on screen for the first time was like even cooler. Um, and all the fans, I think, liked it. I think you guys liked it. I don't know. <laughs> I think we liked it, right? Yeah. I think we liked it. Juan <laughs> Grant Gustin's from Norfolk in this area. Did he give you any tips on places to go visit while you're here? No, he did not. I ran into his brother, actually, two days ago um, in L.A., and I didn't even know that Grant was from here. Um, but he told me that Grant and John are both from here, um, and that... Uh, John played the Flash the year that Grant was born, which is kind of like an odd fact. And then the other question is, how does this compare to other genre type shows that you've been on, the fandom versus, you know, the, the things? I mean, this fandom is just, you guys are amazing. Like, you're abundant. There's so many of you, and it's like, you're always, almost always positive, which is, it's the best thing that someone who's, you know, in this world can can ask for really because there are a lot of online haters if you will and a lot of people who say stuff and you know they do so because they're online but you guys are all like very welcoming and very positive and it's amazing so thank you <laughs> who is your favorite villain on the show and why oh wow my favorite 
favorite villain? Um, that is a good question. I liked working with Top because she's just a really cool girl, um, Ashley, and I liked her outfit. <laughs> yeah, she was really fun to work with. It's great to meet you, by the way. Yeah. I'm a really big fan of you know, My question for you, um, in the first parts really that we see in uh, season two, you spent a lot of time in a cage. <laughs> yes. I was wondering how you got through that process of getting um, in that character, because you were like, very terrified of Zoom and what he could possibly do to you, or, or your character, and Barry. What was it like in that process of it? Well, first of all, um, Zoom is incredibly terrifying in real life. Yeah, no. Um, that his mouth, like the way it like stretches, that's not CGI. Like that actually happened in real life. So being scared of that was not very hard. Um, but I also um, I was like newer to acting in the beginning of it, so I wasn't sure like what my boundaries were and how like you know how far I could push myself. So I stayed in the cage like the whole multiple days of shooting. They like kept coming up to me and they were like, do you want to go sit in your chair? And I was like, no, like, I'm going to stay here. Like I'm getting into it. So that might have helped, uh, I guess. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, hello. Uh, well, first off, I want to apologize. But um, just to get away just from the flashes real quick, um, when I typed your name up on Netflix, I saw that you actually did a documentary for Tower. I was wondering if maybe you could give some insight of what that experience was like. Or Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Tower, for those of you who don't know, is a documentary about the 1966 UT shooting, which was actually the first mass school shooting in history. And I play Claire Wilson, who was the first person shot. She was eight months pregnant, and she was walking with her boyfriend across the campus, and she was shot in the stomach. She lost both her baby and her boyfriend, um, but she survived. And just being a part of that story, and, and especially because it hadn't been told, like, the, the craziest part about that situation was that after it happened, no one talked about it. And no one, like, there wasn't any sort of therapy to figure out, like, you know, why it happened or how we could move on from it because it had never happened before. You know, people thought it was fireworks when, when it first happened. So just being a part of that and, and playing a character like Claire, who is so optimistic, and every day she fights for gun control and, you know, school reform and things like that, and... It's a really powerful documentary, and I'm not just saying that because I'm in it. I'm saying it because it's, I mean, No, you brought tears to my eyes. You brought the actual tears to my eyes. <laughs> well, yeah, that's good, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's on Netflix, and it's, it's Netflix worldwide as well if you're not in the States. So I, I urge you to check it out because it's, it's such a powerful story. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you for bringing that up. I appreciate it. <laughs> Carlos, it's hilarious, yes. Um, my favorite scene, that's like, wow. Um, I love a lot of the group scenes, just because we're all there all day, and we're like playing card games, and um, and like goofing around and stuff, but oh my gosh, my favorite scene, that's like, ooh. Every time I get to work with Keenan is honestly amazing, um, just because he's such a nice guy, um, and we're already friends in real life, so working with him is not, like, anything. You know what I mean? We're just, like, on camera, and then we're not, you know? So, any scene I've done with Keenan, really. Thank you. Yeah. 
So, um, who would you have rather been revealed to be Savitar? What, since it was now... Do we all know? Yeah, spoiler alert here. I know, he's just like, so... It's two weeks after, I figured it was okay. It probably is. Yeah. Yeah, is it okay, everyone? Is everyone cool with that? <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Quick, do a wiki search if you don't know. I know. Um, I was thinking it would be Julian. I, I've asked a couple people today who've come up to my table, like, what they thought, um, and I would say probably, like, 70% were like, I knew, like, I knew it was him, and I don't know if they're just saying that because, like, it already happened. It literally was in context. They did tell him in, like... And, and once, once it's revealed and then you go back and you're like, he said, I am the future Flash, like, it's literally, yeah, there, he's telling you what happened, but... I honestly thought it was Ronnie. People said that too. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm happy with it. I think it. Wherever they take it, it'll be cool. Are you going to be any uh, be in any future season three episodes? Season three? I'm not sure, but I will be back for season four. Jesse's story is not over. <laughs> So when you went to your local comic book store, um, the shop owner, like I, I heard the story with John Bernthal a while ago when preparing for the Punisher, and he said they were very adamant about specific things that you, he needed to read to prepare for the role. Did you get that same kind of influence from them? So when I first went there, it was like maybe a week or maybe like four days after it had been announced. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went in there and I asked specifically for Jesse Quick, because she doesn't have her own line or anything, right. so I had to, you know search um and at first he was like yeah yeah and then he was like yeah that's a that's a really weird request and i was like yeah you know i'm just kind of interested in it just trying to see what she's about and then he just like kind of looked at me and then i like saw the gears turning and he was like you're not are you and i was like okay yeah yeah i am and <laughs> and it was kind of awesome and he was after that he was like more than than like happy to show me all of that he could, but yeah, he was he was adamant about showing me the certain ones, but he was just excited, I think. Cool. <laughs> yeah. 
what was your thoughts when you first saw the Savitar? When I first saw him, I was like, is he a Transformer? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's like, it's so metal, and it's so different from all the other ones, right? Yes. And I thought, like, okay, if, there, if he's going to be there, will there be more like him? I was like, ugh. Yeah, like, yeah, the suit is like, it's... It's the most practical suit. Like, a lot of the the way it looks on screen is how it actually looked in real life. Um, there's not too many special effects on it, which is kind of cool. And he was like, the guy, the stuntman who wore the suit is the guy who, um, oh, I don't know this name. You guys are going to shame me. But the, the big metal guy at Deadpool. Colossus. Colossus. Oh, gosh. I'm so sorry. I'm like, um, it's the same guy. So he's massive like he's so huge he's probably like seven and a half feet or something and he's just like thick like he's a, yeah um so it was really scary <laughs> i'd be running for the hills if you yeah an army of them i was like nope yeah i'm out right <laughs> i'll be like you're never gonna catch me no <laughs> <laughs> well this was fun like this is like my first con of coming here. ever that's amazing. Uh, what do you funny. think? Great. Like, yeah, great. first con. <laughs> Anyone else? Your first time? What? This is great. I like, took a picture with, like, John, like, the original Flash. Yeah, I was like, yeet. More pictures with famous celebrities. Uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> well, we haven't taken one yet, so... <laughs> Jesse, I think it's it's just about thinking about the history that she has with Wells that she doesn't have with HR. You know what I mean? And in the first scene where she sees him and thinks that yeah. it's her father, I thought that was like so well written. Um, and then they, they kind of have a few sort of father-daughter <laughs> scenes after that, which I think are sweet, but he's not the same person. You know what I mean? He's not her father, but if you've got someone like that on a different earth, they've got to be somewhat connected to you, right? Like, in some sort of way. Um, so, so those scenes are really interesting to do. Do you think we'll get to see more of him now that he has sort of a new love interest, the interactions between you and his new lady? Maybe. That'd be cool. Yeah, there's not much information out there on, on our version of Jesse's mom, so it'd be interesting to see that relationship. Yeah. Thank you. Ooh, yeah. So, um... They came up with a solution for the series. They came up with a, a vest like race car drivers wear that circulated ice water through the suit. And then in between takes, I got to tell you a story. Is anybody watching Feud? Feud about Betty Davis and uh, Joan Crawford? Well, I couldn't sit down in the suit, okay? And so they, they came up with a solution. They dragged out the old Betty Davis lean board when they do these costume epics and they'd have these like huge gowns. She probably shouldn't tell you guys this. But anyway, they'd drag it out and you'd step up on it and it had arms and you'd lean back. 
and they take the hose out of the back of the suit and plug it into the ice chest and circulate ice water to at least snap me awake, wow. you know, because you'd be, you'd be there and it's like they give you a direction, you know. And, uh, and the other issue with the suit was they couldn't clean them. Ooh. And it was spongy, wasn't it? A hundred thousand yeah. dollars to build four suits in 1990, and they couldn't clean them. <laughs> I was sweating through it, and it started to crumble. And they were constantly doing repair work. So their solution was to hang it in my trailer and spray it with Lysol. <laughs> and at five in the morning, the next morning, it would still be wet and sticky when. Oh. When I put it on, you know, I broke out all over my back. Anyway, I have a lot of suit stories. Needless to say, in quarter of a century, the uh, construction of suits has made some considerable progress. Yeah. 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 Well, um, that suit was actually designed by Dave Stevens, wasn't it? Yeah. We have uh, two Oscar winners designing our two flash suits. The, the current one. one. The, the current yeah. one, uh, Colleen Atwood. He's a And the one before. Also fantastic. Yeah. Um, so back in, I guess it was 1989 when we first approached about the Flash TV show on yeah. CBS. Yeah, it was. Um, what was your feeling about being offered a superhero? Just for a little context, back then the only big live-action superhero had been the uh, Tim Burton Batman, Michael Keaton. Were you ever worried about typecasting or um, having, honestly, having it look silly? Because that was pretty high-tech effects that they were calling for in pre-computer days. Yeah, coming from uh, New York, and I had already been on Broadway, and I, I had my two Emmys for daytime, and uh, you know I was geared up to come. I had just done Never Ending Story 2, uh, the film, the summer of 89, and decided to come out to LA. So when they first mentioned it to me, my major frame of reference for comic books was not the Tim Burton Batman, it was the Adam West Batman. And with the kaplow, kaflui, thwoosh, you know, wham, you know, all that stuff. And I was like, you know, I just, I, which I enormously enjoyed, I wouldn't miss it. But I didn't know how good I would be. That wasn't really where my, my, my training lie. And I was a little leery of another comic book treatment for television. And I talked to April Webster, Emmy Award winning casting director, Lost, and multiple other things. And I said, I'm just not sure, you know, I mean, are you guys going to take it seriously? She said, John, just read the script. Danny Nilsson and Paul DeMeo's treatment of the pilot, the hour and a half film that was our pilot. And she said, uh, do you think I'd be involved if it was going to be what you're describing? She uh -huh. said, just read it. And so I started reading this script, and it was the story of an unblessed son in a cop family where real cops work the streets. But Barry goes into the crime lab because his mom doesn't want to worry, you know, that every member of her family could get killed at any moment. You know, and hats off to our heroes, heroes in blue, you know. Um, and so Barry agrees to be a CSI. And his dad is always reminding him, mom says, be careful. And, and Emmett Walsh, who played a very different Henry Allen than I did, <laughs> he'd be like, well, what's he going to do? Stub his toe on a footprint? <laughs> you know. So, uh, so that, was, that was an interesting thing. And then he's in this accident and suddenly reaching for a cup of coffee and it smashes against the wall or he 
to catch a bus and ends up 35 miles away in the ocean. Or Crystal Beach. At Crystal That's 60 Beach. miles. That's yeah. 60 miles. Yeah. And, uh, and then I found... That I found it fascinating that when I went to see Tina, Amanda Pays at Star Labs, my first reaction was, I don't want these powers. I have no interest in being a huge Hollywood hero. I have no interest in being exceptional. You know, I like working in the Star Labs. I want to be rid of it. And I'm not going to be your lab rat. Then my brother gets killed. Then everything changes. And I realize that I had the possibility of avenging my brother's death. And then I come up with the flash symbol in response to the Knight Riders paint that they were throwing the paint was red blotches, red blotches. So like blood. Yeah. And then I went back and I said, and I want a cow to disguise my face so nobody knows. And I'm, I'm like, okay, this guy. And I love the relationship between Barry and my brother's name in the television series was Jay, uh, Tim Thomerson. You know, even though Tim Thomerson was the cop, you know, that worked the streets, you know, Barry and Jay had such a good relationship, and Tim Thomerson was such a good actor, you know, and when he was killed, then that to be the motivation, I'm like, okay, I can understand that, I can, I can wrap my, my mind and my heart around that motivation. Hugh Hollywood hero, not so much, but my brother's killed, and I had the possibility of these powers that I never asked for and wanted to get rid of, but... I might be able to avenge my my brother's death. I was like, this is real stuff here. This is these are real human concerns. And so uh, I said, yeah, yeah, I'll go in go in for this. Now they were not asking me to do the role. They were asking me to audition to do the role. Okay. So then I was one of about sixty guys that they saw. And then they took me and Richard Berge to the network and and I, I heard that Jeff Zagansky, president of CBS, said, that guy's head would look good on a lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I got the point. Where's your lunchbox? <laughs> you, you Where's my lunchbox? Where's the action figure of you, by the way? You need a figure. You deserve one at this point. Um, do you have any favorite moments from being in that show, um, like specific episodes or even co-stars? I, I, I have to, off the top, mention Jason Bernard. You know, I love the Nightshade episodes, and uh, of course, he already was so well respected as an actor, and, uh, and he could be a mentor for me in my first primetime series. In the uh, in the in the, and I love that whole mentor men person who's the being mentored and, and the mentor relationship. Anyway, that's what I find so interesting that it's now flipped. And now I'm the mentor. Yeah. And I, get, and I get to mentor Barry. But I have to say, Jason Bernard, you know, uh, those scenes between me and him. In fact, when I found out I'd be playing Jay Garrick, I went back and I watched a couple of my episodes from Flash 1991 to kind of remind myself of what I had done. And, uh, and it was interesting what I found, you know. Uh, and I try to take some of those elements and pull them forward and make them part of my Jay. Anyway. Of course, Mark Hamill, you know, Mark Hamill's trickster, who was so great. If you guys haven't seen the 1990-91 version of Mark Hamill's trickster, it is worth the cost of the set just to see those two episodes. It is manic and wild and OK 
the top and all the things that I might have been afraid of. Yeah. You know, there he is in the unitard. In fact, it's very funny. I have to tell you this. Out. Shut <laughs> up, I swear. <laughs> They'd rather listen to you. He <laughs> said, when they asked him to run the new show, he said, well, I thought I'd be a friend of uh, uh, co uh, you know, uh, of Henry Allen's, I might be a professor, I might be a whatever. And when they said they wanted him to come back and be the trickster, he said, the trickster? I could barely work the unitar 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> what are they thinking? But he trusted our team, Andrew Kreisberg and Jeff Johns and uh, Greg Berlandi and David Nutter uh, enough that they would find a way to handle it, and they did. Now, your turn. Okay, my turn. Well, ironically about the Trickster episodes, um, so this was before DVDs, um, and, and the TV show wasn't really, didn't have a wide VHS release. Both Mark Hamill Trickster episodes, we had lightning storms, the cable went out of my house. I literally didn't get to see the final episode until about like 10 years ago or so when it came out on DVD, oh, which I think is kind of ironic. Um, I always wondered about the dog. Yeah, the dog on the Flash TV show. How is he? How do you work with a dog actor? I love that dog. The dog's real name was Dakai, and there's an episode, and I think it's Flash Forward, where and I, I would spend a lot of time with that dog. You know, and, and I, we'd do ad libs. I'd come in the door, and they, we we got really familiar. I love dogs anyway, but uh, and had two goldens oh, in wow. the eighties. So Dakai, yeah, yeah, he was so great. But I come, I think it's when I come back to uh, Central City, and I'm all jazzed about being there, and I see him, and I go, oh, Dakai! <laughs> and they were supposed to loop that for me to change that to say Earl or Big Guy or something, but they didn't. So I actually, in fact, I'm glad now as a tribute because Dakai's dead. Uh, as a tribute to Dakai that I actually called Dakai's name in one of the episodes. Oh man, everyone in here is going to pull their DVDs out. <laughs> it's either the Child's Play episode with Jonathan Brandis or it's Flash Forward. It's not a Flash Forward, you Barry leaves and he, comes back. Yeah, because you get disenchanted so you, because uh, Pike gets out of prison and you punch him out because he says something really mean about how he killed Jay under his breath. Not that I've ever seen this show like a million times. I punch Pike out. All right. Yeah, you do. You just get you give him the business, and then Tina's like, Barry, you can't do that. You know, yeah. lovely British accent. <laughs> lovely. Anyways, you come back after the story. It's kind of your, um, yeah, your moment. And your, I remember you on top of the car. So. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Julio yeah. hug. No, that's yeah. Julio hug. Yeah. Like, like, so what is the matter with you? It's like, huh? Yeah, Alex Desert, right? Um, so, what was your reaction when they came to you about the new Flash TV show with Grant Gustin to play Henry Allen at first? Well, that was a whole process, you know. I mean, by that point, I'd been representing as the Flash for 24 years, and you know, and like you said, in 2006 when they released the DVD, suddenly there was this whole new interest, and in those days. You know, we carried bigger audiences, even though we only went one season, because you had to carry our, our pilot. I think we had 17 million viewers. Wow. 
you know, because you only had three stations. But you had to carry 20, 25 million viewers weekly in order to stay on the air. But uh, what was your question? Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> what was your reaction? Now all I'm thinking about is, is when the first one came out. Uh, what was your reaction when they came to you about playing Henry Allen? Oh, yeah. And so I had heard, thank you, that, that um, there, it fell in and out of development. It was going to be Ryan Reynolds. It was going to be a movie. It wasn't. you know. And it was like, wow, what is the issue? with getting it together for having a new Flash. So then when I heard they were doing it, they were building a new show around Grant Gustin. And then I heard how Jeff Johns had blown up the Allen family. Now, uh, Henry Allen is wrongfully convicted of killing Nora Allen in front of a 10-year-old Barry. And Barry's the only one who believes that he's innocent. And I remember saying to JC, I said, if they come to me, if they didn't come to me, I would completely understand. The past is the past, you know, you know, have a clean break, make everything new. I said, but if they come to me, because if we were saying Jay Garrick, Jay Garrick, I said, that's the role I want. Henry Allen is the role I want. Because I knew a couple of things. That if Barry was the only one who believed in Henry's innocence, and part of his reason to be was to vindicate his father and to avenge the death of his mother, that would carve out a very special place for Grant and I within the confines of the story. And my instinct was right. The show, everything's happening, explosion, spectacle, spectacle, and then everything stopped, and the lights went down, and he would come when he needed to have a word with his father. And that gave us sort of a show within a show. I will always treasure those father-son moments because there was so much happening between me and Grant at the time. So sometimes I look at it and I'm saying, you know, I'm, I, that's not Henry talking to Barry, that's John talking to Grant in that, at that moment. And at one point I remember saying to him, because he couldn't see me, the way the reflection was in the glass, and he had said, wait, wait, wait. and he stopped his take on his clothes, and he said, I can't see John, I can't see John. And it was a scene where Henry was saying, you, not, because, not just because you're the Flash, but I'm proud of you, you, the person, the man that you are becoming, you know. And I said to him, in the, in the mid, after the take, I said, you know, Grant, I don't have to act that because I so respect and admire you, both as a young actor and as a human being. He said, yeah, John, and I feel that, and that's why I had to see you while we were doing that scene. It's really a special and unique uh, Shaw, I just wanted to share that private moment with you guys. Yeah, that's awesome. And that really was the emotional core of the show for like the first season. Um, because you have all of the flash action at Star Labs, but that's then right. it's the moments with, with Henry that really were, were that one-two punch. When did you learn that Henry was going to die? Did you know that from the outset, or was it something that you just found out with that episode? I figured Henry would have one, maybe two good seasons in him. Mm -hmm. You know, because Henry was really there... The show's called The Flash. Barry Allen is The Flash. Grant Gustin is Barry Allen. So everybody character that comes on and off that show is a part of the hero's journey of Grant's Barry. So Henry's purpose for being on the show was to be there in a nurturing capacity so that the audience could see into the heart and the soul of this young man, this vulnerable young man who was capable of doing these extraordinary things. And as he became more and more comfortable, but see, here's another overlap. 
you know, me as someone who had played the Flash, also from Norfolk, Virginia, Grant being from Norfolk, Virginia, Grant born the year I was doing the Flash. Wow. <laughs> Both born in January. Wow. You know, and, uh, you know, that I, uh, you know, that it was just a really remarkable, extraordinary thing uh, for for those moments when, when I, I just love the moments when you don't know who's talking. Is it, Are the actors talking to each other? Are the characters talking to each other? And uh, by the time Henry had been there for him and taken him to the place where he could be the fully the flash on his own subtext. John had been there for Grant in whatever way, whatever way I could, you know. Um, and once that was completed, then I figured Henry would, would go. I had no idea as late as March what their plans were about my being. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched the end of the second season. Um, the Man in the Iron Mask. I was in a costume fitting, and, and, and I was fitted for the shredded prison outfit, and I was like, well, this is interesting. We're doing a flashback to Iron Mike's with Henry, and then Cosmic Greg casually says, of course, you'll be fitted for the Iron Mask by the <laughs> prop department. I'm like, you had flashbacks to 1990, didn't you? I don't know. <laughs> no way. Will there be hoses at least? No. <laughs> And then uh, I went, well, that's pretty wild. And then I was sitting in between takes with Jesse and Grant, um, and they said, so, do you what you're going to be doing? Because I'd already gone up to film the last four episodes. I said, yeah, I'm the man in the Iron Mask, and that's crazy. Go figure. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> that's all you know. And I said, there's more. <laughs> and he said, you're the real Jay Garrett. I said, get out of town. <laughs> and, uh, and then I got on the phone to uh, Greg Berlanti, who I had worked with on Dawson's Creek all those years earlier. I said, I'm hearing all these reports about roles I may or may not be playing. <laughs> yeah, this season. And then we talked about it. And then he outlined that in the process of two episodes, Henry would die. I'd be revealed as the man in the Iron Mask who was then revealed as the real Jay Garrick and looked exactly like Barry's dad. And I thought, that is just good storytelling. And I end up playing the character that the audience wanted me to play to begin with. I'm like, my hat's off to you guys. I don't know how you're pulling this off, but wow. I'm a, you know. And that's what I love about our writers and our producers. They aren't generating a mass product for your consumption. These are a bunch of guys who grew up with comics. I met Andrew Kreisberg uh, when I was shooting the pilot, and he's this tall. You know, so I'm going up and I'm thinking, I'm meeting my new boss, and he's like, actually, we've met before. I said, we have. He said, yeah, I was an assistant on the back lot of Warner Brothers when you were doing The Flash in 1990. He said, and you were on your way somewhere to a, an office for a meeting, and I totally invaded your space and fanboyed out on you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, was I nice? <laughs> so there's a lesson in that. Today's assistant is tomorrow's boss. Well, you know, Jeff was, um, I interviewed him way back when he wrote his first comic book called Stars and Stripes, and he was an assistant at Richard Donner's production office. Yes. So that was the other number I reached him at. And I think a lot of why Jeff is such a, a brilliant mastermind with TV is he gets comics and he gets television. So he kind of, it's like this beautiful marriage, I think, with every program. I had no idea when I was doing 
the uh, Dawson's Creek when Greg took over for Kevin Williamson that The Flash was his favorite. Wow. I have no idea. <coughs> David Nutter, Emmy winning for Game of Thrones director who directed our pilot and set our tone several hour episodes. You know, the, the arrest scene. I don't think there was method to his madness because everyone was supposed to be like very upset and very high emotion at that scene where Henry's being dragged away and Barry's coming up and Norris dead in the living room <coughs> and we're getting ready to shoot and David walks up to me and says, you know, man, you were my hero growing up. Okay, <laughs> 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 five, four, three, two, I'm like, what? what? <laughs> Wait a minute, you can't say, no, go, go. <laughs> No pressure. It's like, oh my god, you can't say something like that to me. <laughs> okay, roll it. Okay. That's pretty brilliant. Um, everyone ready for questions? Are we? Yeah, all right, let's start with this uh, gentleman in the black hat, if you could please just project a bit. What was it like working with Mark Hamill in the first season of Flash? It, you know, it was, it, we were going to get t shirts for everyone, for our guest stars, called I Survived the Flash. Because about the third day, we were working all night long. We were working 18-hour days. We were working till dawn. We'd be going home from Warner Brothers when the executives were coming to work. They were like, you guys are crazy, you know? And uh, by the time we got there, Mark really wanted to play this character. I mean, he really did. And he came in with such a rush of enthusiasm and adrenaline. You know, here we are. We're like, you know, we're already like, now just <laughs> And uh, he's like, all over the place. You know that scene where he's like in the padded cell, you know? It's like, yeah, yeah. And he comes and he comes up to the class and he's like, nobody tricks the trickster. You know, remember that moment? He dislocated his shoulder. <laughs> I mean, that's throwing yourself into it. But, but, you know, I mean, when someone is that committed and I tried to learn and from that as well, that when anyone on the set one bad apple might spoil the whole bunch, but let me tell you, one good apple, one good actor who is giving his heart and his soul and every shred of energy that he has can lift the whole company up. Um, there's a young man back there here. Yes, sir. Uh, what question do you have? Oh, that's, a good, that's an awesome question. Who's your favorite character besides yourself? I'm glad I called him. Him. That's great. You know, well, I have to say Barry. Because he was my son, you know. It's like people would say to me, they'd say, okay, so who's faster, your Barry or Grant's Barry? I said, I'd never bet against my son. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I love, I love the character of Barry. Um, uh, I also appreciate the character of Iris because I didn't have an Iris in my series past the pilot. Um, it's so hard to single anybody out. What an ensemble. Who's your favorite? Uh, I would have to say Cisco. Cisco. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Do you know what's amazing about him is that he can do the goofy comedy and the one-liners, and he, then he can, it, Grant has the same ability. He can be cultish and goofy and young romantic lead and really funny and then turn around and break your heart like at the next moment. You know, these actors are so facile. But uh, I hope I answered your question. We had a young man right here. You, you, yeah. Yes, sir. Yes. Say what? How did you become Flash? Okay. I was working at the crime lab late, late at night. <laughs> and there was a rack of chemicals here. And there was a big thunderstorm, right? 
and I was going over evidence like footprints and fingerprints and trying to find the bad guy. And suddenly this big bolt of lightning comes crashing through the window and explodes a rack of chemicals and shoots me across the room. And then all this chemical compounds start having sparks up and down my body. And Julio came into the room and he's crying, help, help, help. And then suddenly, one day I was reaching for a cup of coffee and I realized, kabam! And it would slam against the wall. The action of the chemicals on Barry Allen's skin and system caused his cells to rearrange in such a way that he'd go to catch the bus and he'd end up 60 miles away. Or he'd go to walk his dog and they'd both end up in the bushes because he, <laughs> he couldn't control his speed. But that's in our story uh, how that happened. It was a lightning storm, explosion, a rack of chemicals that spilled all over Barry caused his cells to rearrange. Okay, let's, let's, uh, the doctor, right here, you take your hand up for a bit, young man. Um, I was just wondering, I am an aspiring manager, and it's honestly been a Is this one? That's good. Uh, I'm an aspiring manager myself, and I was wondering if you had any you know, I, I, I got into the industry. Okay, hold on. They want to say this. It's on the internet. Thirty-eight years ago. So it's. I've been a professional actor. This is my thirty-eighth year. And uh, so I moved to New York. You know, dropped out of college, moved to New York, and I just. But one thing I always say when a young actor always asked me, the only advice I can give, because I'm not particularly good at the business, and the business, but I love the work. And I, you know, so if you make it about the work, and study and train, it's not about being discovered one day walking down the street. The, the work is hard beginning, during, and after. And you gotta love the, what happens between two actors when you stop acting, and you look at each other and you just start telling each other the truth the way you and I are right now. So that's the only advice I would give. Love the work. I, I definitely do. I give my That is awesome. Well, good luck to you. Um, Wonder Woman, you've had your hand up yes. first. Where is um, Wonder Woman? Right, right here. Okay. Right Wonder here. Woman. <laughs> um, would you ever consider doing a Jane Eric spinoff? A Jane Eric spinoff, right? Like be there every day. Well, the most important thing is it's an undersuit and an outer shell. The important information being they can wash it. <laughs> it makes it much more comfortable for everyone concerned. But um, you know, one of the things I've enjoyed about working on this new show is I can sort of come in and have these great scenes and skim the cream off the top and, and the kid gets to do the heavy lifting. <laughs> you know, to show up and be a superhero, abso absolutely, yes, yeah, sign me up. <laughs> uh, call your congressman. <laughs> call ABC, call somebody. So you said your favorite um, character, but who's your favorite actor or actress? You know, I have to say simply because he is the person that I've worked with the most 
is a role that I play. Can everybody hear me? Yeah. yeah. In, in, a role, in a role that I play, I have to say Brandon. You know, although I, I, I love that group. I mean, it's, they're crazy and they're zany and yet they know when you get down to business. I mean, sometimes on the set, I'll, you know, one of the first years particularly, yeah, you look over here and Jesse Martin and Grammar be learning the tap step and then you look over here and here comes Tom Cavanaugh riding with uh, Carlos in his lap in a wheelchair and they're doing wheelies and they're singing harmony, but then boom, it's time to work and everybody snaps through. So uh, but I'd have to say, I'd have to say, also because you know, we were a critical success in nineteen ninety. We had the critical success. Our reviews international press were through the roof. We just missed having the commercial success that we hoped for. So I hoped for Grant that he would have that as a young actor, particularly after I kind of had a good guy to do it. So I have to say, you know, I got involved in his hopes and dreams, which helped me play his dad better. You know, I'll tell you the hard thing was switching from his dad to Jay Garrett. Because I had to be, okay, yeah, I look like his dad, but uh, sorry about that. <laughs> and this wonderful intimacy that Barry and Henry, it's like, yeah, I love your dad, like, that's the You know, that's kind of, and so that was tricky to make that. Now, as of the time that I think of this place, okay, is everybody caught up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last big thing that happened with Jay Garrett. Uh, I feel like now that was the first time that we got back to some of the intimacy with Jay and, uh, and Barry that was there with Henry and Barry. And I asked Grant after his last take, I said, what were you using in that moment, man? Because well, suddenly you were, I felt like I remembered that you looked just like my dad, and suddenly you were sounding like my dad, and so I started reacting to that way. So now we're, we have a whole new landscape to explore. So how is it now being that mentor role of both Barry and Grant, the, not only as Henry, but also as Jay? Um, as I said, you know, BJ is it, it, very different. It's completely, it was completely different. I had to start off in order to give us somewhere to go. Uh, I had to start off with, okay, who is this kid? Who, who is this kid? Who's got, I, you know, it's my speed horse, it's my legacy. You guys came their thing up. I don't know what his intentions are. You know, of what, what, you know, is he just going to change things up every time things don't suit him? Or does he know what he's getting into? Does he respect the speed force? So there was a certain amount of skepticism and distance that had to be there in order to give us somewhere to go. I knew that we would have to get back to the J. And Henry, uh, Jay and Barry relationship that comic book fans have loved all through the years, you know. But I figured we had to start here and then work our way into speed force sort of. But as far as Grant needing a mentor, Grant doesn't need any advice from me. Grant is one of the finest young actors I've ever worked with. And uh, every time I have the privilege of working with him, you know, I learn something. Uh, we got a kid flash over here. What are your questions? What was your favorite episode of the series? Which one? Uh, obviously. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> <A> new one. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Sorry. Tiny brain aneurysm. Um, what was my favorite episode? I have to say the man in the yellow suit, which I believe was the season one? One. Yeah, reverse flash. Mid-season finale. I loved that. I also loved the one where Henry Allen was in the hospital. And he knew that he, Barry was Flash, but he couldn't tell him, and he wasn't going to bust him, but he was leaving the door open for Barry to tell him, saying, you know, well, yeah, but, yeah, okay, yeah, I know, yeah, you're not the Flash, but if you were, if the Flash were my son, I'd tell him a few things. I'd tell him he's a hero, you know? I'd tell him he's saving a lot of lives, and I'd tell him it's a dangerous world out there, so be careful. You know, still get choked up thinking about that scene. Thank you for your question. We have a young lady right here. My question is, well, you already talked about this, but um, the scene when Norm's dead and you're being taken by the because they think you killed her, what was that like filming it? It was crazy in the pilot. I mean, you know, David Nutter, I mean, the house was, the back was blowing off the house and, you know, it was, uh, it, it, it was really quite shocking. The wind machines were going and Michelle Harrison, didn't she turn it out? I mean, you know, she had to play that scene how many times? You know, screaming, Barry, and you know, and the whole thing, and it was, uh, I mean, everybody was like, wow, what's happening, you know? But, uh, and it was also new, that it was, uh, it was young, it was fresh, and it was new, and we were all doing this thing for the first time, you know, the energy was really high. That's a good question, thanks. Um, and the gentleman in the black t-shirt right here. And, uh, second season.
Barry, I was Professor Zoom at Batman the Brave and the Bold, I, I was Henry, I was, and now I'm Jay Garrick. Yeah. It's like I tell people the only character left is, I don't know, Nora Allen. We have a gentleman right here. Who would you say is your favorite uh, speedster villain? Speedster villain? Well, I was, you know, the one I clearly has been the most developed on any show that I have on is this Savitar. I have to say the whole Savitar thing. I mean, what a mind blowing when the suit feels down and it's deep through there. You're watching it on Netflix, and the seasons are released all at the same time. So if I just lose that, forget everything I just said. <laughs> Rewind. Go back in time. Go back in time. I'm John Wesley Shipp, and it's really nice. To be here. going to be downstairs and signing immediately after this, um, so you can get awesome things autographed. I want to say one more thing about the question that was asked, is that, you know, the Flash was 50 years old when I got to it, and the Flash was 75 years old when Grant got to it. The Flash was going on before I ever got to it, before Grant ever got to it, before Ezra got to it, and it will continue on long after we're gone. And you guys are the keeper of that flame, and thank you for letting us take this ride. The Black Girl Nerds Podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. Various episodes are edited by Jamie Broadnax, M.R. Daniel, and John Bauer. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spreaker, and Spotify. That was a HeadGum Podcast.